0: morning for you to go through. So I encourage you to check that out, and it's an exciting thing. So uh, like I said, if you're in your Bibles, you can turn to uh, Ephesians 1. We're just going to jump straight in. We're going to be in Ephesians 1, 15 through 16 today. So the book of Ephesians, it, it helps gives us perspective, and, and one commentator in a commentary I was reading talked about the book of Ephesians this way, and I just love this. He said, Ephesians declares that Jesus is the focal point of all time and existence. That's good. Jesus is the the center. He's the focal point of all time and all existence. And so let's read just uh, verse 15 through 16. We're reading out of the New Living Translation. And for anyone, before you freak out, we're doing 16a. So I'm just going to read half of it. So you're like, Ian, there's more. I know, okay? This is what it says, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. That's it. But there's so much in here, and we're just going to spend the next moments kind of unpacking this and seeing what, what the Lord wants to say to us through this verse. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you are the center of your, our lives, that you're the center of it all. And Lord, I just ask that you would woo in our hearts even a longing for what it looks like to have you at the center of everything. And Jesus, I ask you to reveal yourself to anyone in this room that that maybe does not know you or has not put their trust in you completely. And as I'm speaking and sharing, would you just put in them a desire and say, I want to know that person, that Jesus, whoever he may be, like like that man knows Jesus. And, And Lord, I ask that you would use me. Holy Spirit, we invite you, we say, we we just invite you and ask that you would come. And Jesus, we just we ask that that you would move our hearts to make you the center. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now this, this verse, you know, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and, and your love for God's people everywhere. So there are 14 different times in scripture that faith and love are actually listed together as characteristics of God. So we can recognize faith and love are probably pretty key, right? They're important. They, they go together oftentimes. And so we're just going to unpack what does it look like to have, have a strong faith in Jesus and what does it look like to have a love for God's people? And I think if we get these things down, if we learn what it looks like, I, I feel like the Lord is, is going to do so much in our own lives and in our lives for others. And as we're focusing into a means of, of prayer and just praying as a church together, I believe one of the best ways for this to happen, for this to become important, is just through prayer. Like the means to which we, we get Jesus at the center of our lives, is it's, it's through prayer. And so we're just, we'll kind of unpack the verse kind of bit by bit. The first section, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus... And so this, this first heard, having heard, it's, um, it's this Greek word, and, and basically it boils down to exactly what you think it means. It's pronounced, and I'm not good at pronouncing Greek, so I'll just preface that, but a cool. It's weird, right? Close enough? Um, I'm still working. We're working on Greek, Okay. But basically it means it's a thing that comes to one's ears to find out, to learn. So there's actually a coming to one's ears. I mean, having heard to hear something. We all, we all know what, what it means to, to hear about something that has happened in someone's life or, or, or maybe a, a posture that someone c- carries that, that we start hearing about. So we recognize that Paul is riding to the church of Ephesus. And he's, he's riding to the, the church of Ephesus in, in chapter uh, one, verses 15 through, through 23 is his prayer. He, he starts this prayer. And he's writing to them, and, and, and he begins this, basically hearing something, recognizing, okay, there are things coming to my ears about you as a people in Ephesus. Like, I'm, I'm starting to hear some things. There's some things going on, and, and they're coming to my ears. And even in that day, Paul's day, they didn't have Twitter, they didn't have Instagram or Snapchat, but word traveled fast. It got to Paul. Paul started hearing, okay, I'm hearing about some of the things that you're doing I'm, I'm realizing that there are things that, that you're doing, or, um, and, and it's coming back to me. Because here's the thing. How we live, it's noticed. It's noticed by our family. It's noticed by our friends. Even if we're isolated, even if we're alone, the algorithm on our phones even knows. Like it knows what to put up on Amazon and say, hey, I really think you should buy this. And you're like, I think I should buy that too. Word travels fast, and our phones, they know what's going on. So even if you're isolated and you're like, no, no one knows me, no one's hearing about me, your phone is, Amazon is, and that's, that's a whole different discussion. But it, it's so important that we realize that, that we don't just do things for Christ so that people hear about us. We don't do it so that people hear about us. But please hear this, people will notice how you live. people will also notice how you don't live. Word travels. They will hear. And so as we read on, we see that they had a strong faith. So they had strong faith in the Lord Jesus. So through that, we can, we can kind of look at their motives and recognize, okay, so, so the motives of the people in Ephesus, of this church, they were good. In other words, they weren't like the Pharisees who were doing it so that the right things were, were heard by the right people, In Matthew 6, verses 5 through 6, Jesus is is saying, and he says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. So we don't just do things because we want everyone to see them; we do them out of a, out of a place of of adoration and affection for Jesus. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them myself. I remember when I first started marking up my Bible. So who here is a, a Bible marker? They're like underlining and like, you're writing in your Bible. So. I'm not like the highlighter kind of, I don't have like multiple color coordinate, like it's like a black pen, like just all underlined. So it doesn't look cool. I'm not drawing the cool pictures on the cover of it. Like I'm pretty basic. I got circles and underlines. So that's what I got. Maybe a little note on the side if the Lord is saying something. So maybe maybe that's for you. You can write in your Bible. That's okay. You can take notes. And so for me, I, I remember when I started writing in my Bible and underlining I found something that started to happen for me as I, I'm you know, in my Bible and maybe we're at a Bible study or I'm in a prayer group. And it started taking me just a little longer to find the verse that we were going for. We're going to the book of Ephesians and I just have to stop by Romans that has every page underlined. And I'm like, oh, where is, oh, first we got Thessalonians. And, and I didn't even realize I was doing it, but I started taking my time as I was going through, you know? And honestly, the reason I was doing that is I was just hopeful that maybe someone, like, peeked over and was like, oh, man, he has it all, <laughs> he has it underlined. Like, he's, he's taking notes. He must be reading his Bible. And, man, it was extra credit if someone pointed it out and said, Ian, man, your, your Bible's really marked up. Like, you must spend a lot of time in it. Like, that was extra credit. And I just, yeah, thank you. You know, I, I do, yeah, you know, it's just, it's just a lifestyle, you know. I'm just seeing the Bible. And then the Lord really started to challenge me. And He's like, Hey, Ian, why are you taking so long to find that Bible verse? And I started realizing I was doing it for the approval of others. I wanted them to see how much I was in the Word. I didn't actually want to live out the things that were in the Word. Because here's the thing people are going to know that you're in this, not by how much you're underlining, but how much you're living it out. And I would much rather have people in my life look at me and say, He's a man that's devoted to Jesus because of how he lives. Than how many verses he has underlined in the Bible. Now it is important. Get in Scripture. Getting involved with Scripture is so important, but the Lord challenged my heart. And as I marked up my Bible, I wanted people to see how holy I was. Does anyone relate to that? I'm not saying you have to tell on yourself I did, but but doing, doing the right things, but deep down, like you know, if we really went down, deep down, it was it's for other people to see. If the father looks at the heart, he looks past our actions and he looks straight to our motives. My actions of being in scripture were good, but my motives were not. And the father, he looks at it and he says, hey, Ian, I want you to be with me because you want to be with me, not just because you want others to think that you're with me. And people started, if they heard about my faith, it's because of the life that I lived authentically and honestly before God and before others pure adoration of Jesus leads others to also fall in love with him. As we purely adore Jesus with all that we are, it will actually lead people in our circles. It will lead friends. It will will lead our families to fall in love with Jesus because they see something in you that, that you can't fake, that you can't make up. And as we fall in love with him, as we return to our first love, we realize, wow, I want that. Like I want something that, that is going on in that person's life. I was at a, uh, a youth camp several years ago, and I was talking with a student. And, and this student, she had been praying for the Lord to bring into her life uh, someone who was like passionately in love with Jesus. Um, just, just as a friend, just like, I just want someone at my school that loves Jesus as much as I do. And so eventually she met this guy and, 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 and they became friends, nothing more, just friends. And eventually uh, she started asking him questions. Where did this like fire for the Lord come from? She assumed that he had been discipled for many years. She assumed that he had been you know super involved in youth group and all that. And, and, and he, he looked at her and he began to share that about eight months earlier, he was at a food court in the mall. And as he was at the food court in the mall, there were these two kind of really weird people that came up to him, and they came up to him, and they had a five-minute conversation, and they prayed, and here's what they prayed. They just prayed that he would have a fire for the Lord. See, he had kind of grown up in church, but he's like, I'm not in love with Jesus. I'm not on fire for him. And so she asked, well, okay, do you know anything about these two uh, these two people? And he said, well, I, I don't remember, but I remember they were from a church, and it started with like a V. And she's like, was it the vineyard? And he's like, that was it, it was the vineyard. And she said, what what, what are their names? And she listed out, uh, or he, uh, she said their names. He's like, no, I'm pretty sure that was their names. And about eight months prior, I was out with a student. This was several years ago. And we were in Castleton Food Court Mall, and we, we walked up, and there was just a, a teen, and he was sitting by himself, and we just said, hey, can we sit and chat and pray for you? And so we prayed for him, and that was the thing. It's just that we would be, that he would be in love with Jesus. And I left that conversation, I'll tell you what, I never thought about it again. Cause it was kinda, it wasn't this like super great, it just was like this little prayer, fall in love with Jesus, great, move on. But that moment changed his life. Because he said, I wanted to love Jesus like they love Jesus. Because I've never actually met anyone that loves Jesus like they do. And because of that, he started on this journey of what does it look like to fall in love with Jesus and, and have him at the center of my life. And following that, the last I heard, he was trying to be an intern at a church in Australia. Like, he's, he's going for it. And up to that point, he just had a five conversation with a stranger who's weird enough to approach him, who just sounded a little different, who maybe just, like, loved Jesus a little more than he had heard. Because pure adoration of Jesus leads others to also fall in love with him. Even in a five-minute conversation, like, the Lord can use that. So, I just ask this question: what do people hear when your name is mentioned? What do people hear when your name is mentioned? Do they hear your love for Jesus? Or do they hear about how successful you are? Do they hear about how you negatively treat others? Do they hear about how you gossip? Or when people hear your name, do they hear the fruits of the Spirit? Do they hear love? Do they hear peace? Do they hear patience? goodness, kindness? Do they hear self-control? Do they hear someone who's willing to speak the truth in love in the right context, willing to to go to the hard places? Do they hear someone that has Jesus at the center? And as we continue on, ever since I first heard with the question, what, what do people hear when your name is mentioned? We go on to what Ever since I first heard of your strong faith. So strong faith. What what is that? What does that look like? What does that mean? Faith comes from the Greek word pistis. And so that means it's a conviction of truth. It relates to God. It relates to Christ. And I love this. And in the Greek dictionary, this is how how this word faith is, is, is kind of described. It says belief with the predominant idea of trust. Whether in God or in Christ, springing from faith in the same. So, Paul is giving thanks for the faith and then for the love of these Ephesian Christians. And here's the thing faith, we recognize, I love that, uh, belief with the predominant idea of trust. So, faith, what is it? There's so many messages, and this message is not one on faith. But faith is 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 broken down. It's trust. Like when we when we really have faith, there's there's an element of trust. We put our trust in Jesus. Now, maybe uh, many of you have, have probably heard this analogy, but I think it's it's helpful to kind of picture when you have a chair. If you look at a chair, you can easily say okay no that's a chair you can you can look at it you can even say okay i'm i'm pretty sure that this chair would hold up hold up my weight you can even even trust it completely and just say no that is a really solid tra- a chair but here's the thing in order for you to actually trust and i'm seeing all of you sitting so you guys all took an act of faith and trust that as i sit down this chair is going to keep me up because when we when we really embody trust when we really walk out faith we actually sit down on it because here's here's the thing when it comes to Jesus when it comes to putting our our faith in in Christ and Jesus even the demons even Satan would look at Jesus and say he's the Messiah but they would not say that he's their Messiah even the demons would would look and say I believe in you Jesus but I don't have trust in you I haven't put all of my life on you. And chairs, they don't just support us simply on the basis of faith. You can believe it, you can be convinced of it. You may even be really tired and want the support of the chair. But believing in the chair with all with reckless abandon, recognize I'm trusting in this seed, you have to walk across the room, you have to turn your body, and you have to lower yourself into the chair, to put our trust in Jesus, is to actually say that you can hold all of my weight. Every last bit. I'm not supporting myself in any way. Jesus, you are the one who deserves everything. And so I ask the question, do you fully, and I mean, like let's be honest, there are times in my life where I haven't put all of my trust in Jesus, but man, am I trying. Man, do I want to give my life fully to Jesus, be completely devoted to him, So do you fully trust in Jesus? And maybe as I'm talking, you're like, I don't even think I know this Jesus guy. Or maybe you've never even heard him. You don't know what it looks like to trust in him. We'll get a chance at the end to to talk about that. What does it look like to actually fully trust in Jesus? Are you just looking at him from a distance and saying, okay, no, he's good. Or have you fully relied on him? The verse in the, the message paraphrase says it this way. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the master Jesus, the solid trust, D. Elton Trueblood, he he said it this way. He said, faith is not belief without proof, but trust without reservation. No reservation. Lord, would we be a people that trust in you with no reservation? that we would just give it all to you because it's worth it. Guys, it is so worth it when we are trusting in him completely. I don't know if anyone ever walked away from from trusting in Jesus with all that they are and said, man, I left feeling discouraged. Man, he didn't didn't pick up his end of the bargain. No, he doesn't. So oftentimes it's, it's on us because we've been withholding the complete trust in him. Now, it's possible that, that you've seen a, a relationship uh, circle. It's like slots. Danny Silk kind of works with it. It's this relationship circle, and at the center of it is God. So we can just recognize, if you profess faith in Jesus, God, Jesus, with this verse, he's at the center, right? He's, he's in the middle. He's the most important. And then after that, we have, uh, if you're married, a spouse. If you're not married, maybe it's a mentor. And so then, relationally, that's like the next important relationship. Then after that, it's your kids, or if if you don't have kids, it could be maybe individuals that you're pouring into or mentoring or discipling. And then outside of that, we have we have others. So those are kind of like relational priorities, and we get them mixed around sometimes, don't we? We we kind of we kind of flip flop, and and even if Jesus is at the center, maybe next, then what's most important is not our spouse, but actually our kids. And and sometimes we get them flip flop, but. But we can just agree that having Jesus at the center, like that's a that's a good, noble practice. Like having him in the middle. And, and I think sometimes when we're following Jesus, I know I have been guilty of this. We kind of, we look at this relationship circle, maybe we've seen it, maybe we haven't. And we say, okay, uh, th- this is this is the only thing, like this is the only thing I have to think about is these relationships. But then what happens when we enter into different circles of influence, right? What happens when we're in different relationships? What happens when we get to work? My spouse isn't there. My kids aren't there. What happens when we enter into our workplace? Maybe it's pretty easy to have Jesus at the center of your devotional time if you have one, but maybe not in your friendships, maybe it's pretty hard and i'm not saying that you can't be friends with non-believers like that is so key and so important and and crucial but christ still is at the center he should be involved in in the friendship and in this verse, as it, as it go, goes on in, in the New Living Translation, the description of faith in the, in the Lord Jesus that Paul heard about was their strong faith. So it's, it's faith, but then he describes it as strong faith. So what is strength? I, I would say that someone who is strong isn't just really good at bench pressing, but they can also squat. Maybe they have good cardio. Like I might, I might go up to a runner and say, you're a really strong runner, that doesn't mean they're strong at lifting weights. I'm not saying that's wrong. I know I have plenty of friends that are are runners. But I view strength as actually having having a balance to to, to really walk out like I am balanced in how I lift weights. I'm balanced in, in the things that I'm doing. And then we would look at that person and say, no, 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 they are, they're strong. They're not just good at this one thing. They're not just good at pull-ups. They're, they're, they're actually well, well balanced in these different areas. And I, if I'm honest, I, I think that having faith in Jesus, putting our trust in Jesus is, is oftentimes, it's the same thing. Like There is no aspect of our life that is off limits from Christ's influence. There is nothing that Jesus does not want to touch in our lives. I might look at someone and say they're really strong at at leading a a company, but maybe I might not say that they're strong at leading their family. We're called to be strong. A strong faith is balanced. It's actually, we walk it out in every area of our lives. To have Jesus at the center actually means to have this strong faith, complete trust in him, means that there's not an area in our life that Jesus is not at the center of. Now, I'll be the first to say that that is hard because there are a lot of different spheres in your life. There's so many. But what would it look like if he was at the center of every single one? I'm gonna list kind of some different, maybe Areas in your life, different areas in your life that, uh, what would it look like for Jesus to be at the center of these? And I want you to really ask yourself, really reflect, all right, Jesus, are you at the center of this piece of my life? And this isn't exhaustive, this isn't like the entire list, but your marriage. Is Jesus at the center of your marriage? What would it look like if Jesus was actually at the center, like the, the cornerstone to which you built your marriage on? What about your family? Is Jesus at the center of your family? Maybe your friendships. Maybe your friendships, you've, you've, you've grown accustomed to, 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 to talking about things that, that you didn't need to or, or unhealthy friendships. Friendships. But what would it look like if Jesus was authentically and actually at the center of your friendships? What about your kids? As you raise your kids and as you're parenting thinking are you are you just thinking about how to go as long as I can without them getting in trouble? Like, man, this is a win because they went 2 weeks without having to go to their room. I used to have to go to my room when I would burp at the dinner table, and I that took me a long time to learn. But I don't anymore. I've grown. Yeah. Amen. I've grown. I'm not burping at the table. And if I am, Rachel, you can send me to my room. Um, what about your relationships? You're just the relationships you have Is Jesus at the center. Truly ask, authentically, what about? Now, here's where oftentimes Jesus leaves the equation. What about your workplace? Is he there? Or do you leave home and you never think about him until you get back in? I'm not saying that you have to be on, on the table preaching Jesus to, to all of your coworkers, but I'm saying if you never think about Him at the workplace, work is unto the Lord. And if work is unto the Lord, Jesus needs to be at the center of the workplace. What about your mission, your personal mission? Like, man, I, f- I feel driven in this area of my life. Maybe your ministry, if you have one or you had one in the past, was Jesus at the center. What about politics? he went there. Yeah. Is Jesus at the center of the politics that you're engaging in, or is it the news source that you go to for political information? Or is it a certain politician face that you see at the center of the? Or is because here's the thing, Jesus. He wants to be involved in every area of your life, and and we as humans have separated him and saying, no, you can have influence here, here, and here, but not here because that gets like that gets tricky. That means I actually start looking a little different than the world. I start looking kind of just not not normal, and so I'm just not going to engage in that way. What about your media consumption, guys? Would Jesus be comfortable? sitting in the room based on the media that you're watching? Or would he have to leave? Because Jesus also wants that part of your life. He wants the media that you're consuming, that you're ingesting, the TV shows that you're watching. He wants it all. And I'm not saying that you can't watch a a funny show or, or, or that TV is the devil. No, that's not what I'm saying. But Jesus wants every aspect and area of your life, even how you consume media. What about your finances? Is Jesus at the center of your finances or or is that just in Excel in the checkbook? You don't have to talk to him about it because you log on to Excel and pull up your spreadsheet. What about your emotions? Is Jesus at the center of your emotions? What about your values, how you value things or even your career, your career aspirations? Is it for your name to get big or is it for his to get big? Jesus wants every area of your life and a strong faith does not differentiate it doesn't it doesn't separate them and please hear this when he is not at the center in our lives it is not by his choice it's by our own we are the one who said jesus we we have made a decision and a choice that you're not going to be at the center of this aspect this area this circle of my life And so for you, maybe, maybe you realize, like, man, Jesus, like, he wasn't really involved in a lot of those. Or maybe for you it was a lot. Any 12-step program attendee will, will tell you recognizing the problem, it's the first step toward a solution. So maybe today there's just realizing, okay, there's, 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 a, there's an issue. Jesus, he wants to be at the center. I want a strong faith in him of every area of my life. And so you just get to ask yourself, is Jesus at the center of each area in your life? And if he's at the center, people will start, start knowing about it. They'll start talking about it. Start hearing things. He's in the middle. He's at the center. As we go on, ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. Your love Now, love is a, is a word we, we hear all the time. It gets thrown around. You maybe even heard the, the Greek word agape. That's where, where this particular word of love in this passage is, is referring to. And so agape love, we talked about it in our, our kind of relationship series. Agape love is, is more of a doing word than a feeling word. Like it actually requires action. It doesn't even require that we always approve of, of, of the actions of the person whom we love, but we actively are loving them. It doesn't even mean that we have to completely, 100% enjoy their company. But we actively, we choose, we love them. There's a, a, a commentary, and for this verse, this is what it said. I just think it was a great, great picture. It says, faith finds its focus in Christ and expresses itself in love to others. Such outgoing love is the evidence of genuine faith. Like it's actually possible to love with our faith. Ephesians six twenty three it says, Peace to the brothers and sisters in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, if our faith doesn't make us more loving, then there's something wrong with our faith. This means that we, we love the unlovely. Like some of God's people, we'll just say it, are not always easy to love. It can be hard. It's really easy to love the, 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 the people that we hang out with and it doesn't take energy. But what about those that it does? We prove our faith by our love. And, 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 and when it comes to living out our love, I, I, I firmly believe this. That, that love lived out is the only true love. Like to truly love someone, it actually means that we're acting it out. We're we're living it out. Love only spoken about is a betrayal. Love only thought about is an illusion. Love not personalized, it isolates. But love lived out, it's forgiving. It's slow to anger. It's abundant. Love lived out is the only true love for those it's it's difficult to love i mean sometimes for me sometimes i say the way that i love the difficult to love is by how i don't respond in other words i could respond this way but i didn't so i loved them you know what i'm talking about but he's not saying that here if the lord looks at our hearts and our thoughts he knows the position of our heart as we actively love people so for the difficult to love what if we viewed love this one man as as i was thinking about this this one like hit me what if we viewed love this is for the difficult to love what if we viewed love not as a lack of negative response but an abundance of a positive one it's easy for the easy to love it's more difficult for those that it's hard to love So how are you actively loving others? What does it look like? How are you actively living it out and actually loving others as the church in Ephesus did? As we can continue on, and ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere. All right, your love for for God's people. The last little bit, I'm just gonna go through really quick. This, um. This word, is, is God's people, is, is saints, or hagios. And so the, the fundamental core meaning of this, of saints, of God's people, in, in, in the original text, it was different. It was set apart. So a temple in the first century was different, because it was different than other church buildings. And so then in the New Testament, this word holy, or, or saints, or God's people, it actually means different from the world. It means like the Lord. And so we are, are, as believers, those who have professed faith in Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. It says in Romans 8, we have the same Holy Spirit in us that rose Jesus from the grave. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, it said that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. So we are temples, so we are set apart as Christ's beloved. We're not set apart by our humor, we're not set apart by our denomination by how much we're liked, we are set apart through and by Christ Jesus. It's what he did on the cross that set us apart. So the question there is, do you have a love for all of God's people? Not just your people. Do you have a love for all of God's people? Here's the thing. In God's kingdom, there's no such thing as your people. In God's kingdom, there's no such thing as your people. There's only God's people. What does it look like to love all of God's people? And then the next verse, the first half of it I have not stopped thanking God for you. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. Giving thanks. It's the same word that, that, that we get the word Eucharist from. It's where we get in Matthew 15 of communion, about Jesus giving thanks for, for the bread and the bodies. We took communion as a church. And here, Paul, he he starts the focus on prayer by saying that he's always thanking God for them. It's focused on people. I have this friend, and and he just is all he's like, thanks God. Thanks. Like smallest thing. He gets a parking spot. Thanks, God. He gets like every little thing, and I'm just like, what? Maybe like the big prayer crest, but what about the, the small things? And like, I mean, he's just like, thanks God, thanks God, all the time. And now, if you hang around, like, I've started to say it. I've started to like, thanks God for the smallest things because I'm sitting in a place of thanksgiving, even for the small things, for the people, for the people that, that, that God has, has, has granted me. I'm, I mean, man, do I often think, man, Lord, thank you for my wife, Rachel mm-hmm she this morning I I asked her and she I was like so do I take what do I take out like do, this or this and she's like ask the Holy Spirit I'm like you're like you are the Holy Spirit like what do you mean Thank you, God, for for these people. Who are we thanking in our lives? Thank you, God, for, for our worship team. Thank you, God, for our pastors. Thank you, God, for the people in my life that are influencing me in a positive way. Thank you, God, for the people that have a strong faith in Jesus, that have you at the center of all of their lives. Thank you for those who love God's people everywhere. Lord, thank you. So as you pray, do you thank God for those in your life as you pray? What does it look like? Thank you, God, for those people. And, and in the prayer room, you can do it. There's, there's places for, for, for thanking God for, uh, for our missionaries and for the world. And so I just encourage you, thank God for those in your life. And so maybe you're thinking, okay, Ian, like, I want to be known for Jesus. That sounds awesome. Like, I want to be known for a strong faith in him. Sounds great. I want to live a life of active love. I want to thank the Lord for, for the people in my life, for those people strong in the faith. Now what? You'll never guess. Pray. The way that Jesus becomes the center of every area of our lives, the means to which it happens is through prayer. Prayer is so key in a walk with Christ. It's through talking with him. And as we grow in relationship with those in our lives, here's, here's what I found. Oftentimes we, we, we grow and we hang out with people in our lives and then eventually we start asking him, hey, would I be able to borrow this? Hey, could, I, uh, could, I, could you pick me up from the airport? Hey, uh, could, uh, would you water my plants while I'm gone on vacation? But oftentimes we start asking things from our friends after we have started to spend time with them. I think for us in our walk with the Lord, sometimes it's kind of reversed. We start asking him for things, and we're like, Lord, could you give me this and that? And then all of a sudden we go, whoa, I can just be with you? Like I can just be in your presence? Now, both are important. It's so I, I, I'm not speaking down upon asking the Lord for things. We're, we can ask him for things, and, and Jesus did that. But it's important that we're doing both. As we're with him, these, we start to live out these verses. As we start to pray. Jesus, he, he went away to pray. like He, he, he actually took time. He, he went up, and, and Jesus, in his ministry, he actually left to pray. And I used to think, honestly, that prayer was to isolate. Like the only time that I could pray was if I was isolated. But as I just was sitting, and this thought came, was, is prayer isn't just to isolate, it actually like insulates. Like it actually does a deep work in us, and we start to know Him and meet Him, and, and it, it, it builds this fire within us. You know, insulation in like a house where you know you touch it, and it's you know for, the, for three days, the fiberglass is in your finger, and you can't get it out. That kind of insulation. As I was looking up, what does like insulation in a house do? It said, insulation can be used both to gain heat and prevent heat loss from the surroundings. Which is like, yeah, great. We need that. Save the electricity bill. But prayer, it's the same way. Prayer can be used... As we pray, as we seek God to gain heat in our walks with Christ, it actually builds up fire and fervency, and, and we start like getting falling deeper in love with him. And then as we're praying, we're also like the outside world, the things that are going on, it's preventing. It's, it, it actually insulates us as we spend time with him. And, it, and the time that I have found myself grow the most cold in, in my spiritual walk is the time that my prayer walk is, is lacking. And so I want to read uh, Oswald Chambers. He was an evangelist and teacher in the 20th century, and he's known for his devotional utmost for his highest. And this is his titled Purpose of Prayer. It's, it's just so good, and I don't feel like I could, I could word it better. He says this, Prayer is not a normal part of the life of the natural man. We hear it said that a person's life will suffer if he doesn't pray, but I question that. What will suffer is the life of the Son of God in him which is nourished not by food, but by prayer. When a person is born again from above, the life of the Son of God is born in him, and he can either starve or nourish that life. Prayer is the way that the life of God in us is nourished. And then he, he goes on to say, ask and you will receive from John 16. He says, ask and God will do. Give Jesus Christ the opportunity and the room to work. The problem is that no one will ever do this until he is at his wit's end. When a person is at his wit's end, it no longer seems to be a cowardly thing to pray. In fact, it is the only thing he can get in touch with the truth and the reality of God himself. Be yourself before God and present him with your problems, the very things that have brought you to your wit's end. But as long as you think you are self-sufficient, you do not need to ask God for anything. To say that prayer changes things is not as close to the truth as saying prayer changes me and then I change things. God has established things so that prayer on the basis of redemption changes the way a person looks at things. Prayer is not a matter of changing things externally, but one of working miracles in a person's inner nature. So prayer changes me and then through his Holy Spirit, I change things. And as I pray, Jesus moves to the center of every area of our lives. Please hear, it's not a formula. It's not just this, like, you do this, you do this, and you do this. Now, we have a cool acronym, and it's great, and it's, it's from, uh, from 24-7 prayer. It's amazing, and it's in the prayer room. But it's not just a formula, but the charge is just, what if we just prayed and just see what happened? Like, if we just do it, like I don't think any, anything bad ever happened as, like, just by praying, by devoting a season to, to, to prayer. So as a church, that's what we're doing. We're, we're pressing into prayer together. So I encourage you, sign up for the prayer room. The sign-ups are in the back. And, and devote an hour of your time in, in the week and, and just pray and just see what happens. See, see what occurs within you, how the Lord changes you as you pray. I encourage you, get a devotional. I mean, there's no more excuse. You're like, I don't know what to read anymore. Well, we just told you what to. Like we've we've cut out all the excuses for you. And so you can grab one and you can you can spend time with, with the Lord each and every morning. Come to church. I encourage you, like, come and, and show up each week as we're pressing in and, and, and focus on this prayer as a church. Now some are you some of you are saying, and this is what I'll I'll close with, some of you are saying in your heads, I, Ian, I just don't have the time. Like like, I, I, I'm too busy, I got too much going on to pray. There's a man, uh, his name was David Wilkerson, and he, he he prayed a simple prayer in 1958. So we're going, like, way back. 1958, and he was up late at midnight. He was up late at, at midnight, and, and he was watching the late show, and he, he asked this question, what would happen if I sold this TV set and spent that time praying? And then after he prayed that prayer and started to pray during that time, the world would find out. He, one night he was trying to pray between 12 a.m. to 2 a.m. Okay, plenty of those slots on the prayer room. You can just sell your TV set and you're good to go. But One night he, he was trying to pray and he found himself drawn to an issue of Life magazine that was sitting on his desk. And at first he was thinking like, well, I'm just getting distracted. Like this is my, my human nature just like pulling me away. And he, but he, he's like, I couldn't get away from it. And he said, God, is there something you want me to see? And he came across this this life uh, message. Um, it, it was an article, and it was reporting of a gang trial that was happening in New York. And and so he's he's praying, and he reads it, and and he just starts feeling stirred as he sees this. And he's like, Man, I just I feel stirred for these these boys that are in this gang. And and so he just continues to pray, and eventually the Lord leads him to to one day start this ministry called Teen Challenge. And this Teen Challenge, which impacts so many lives, he becomes a prominent pastor and evangelist in ministry in New York City, and, and he, he writes books, and he has like, a prominent influence. And he would say, the point where it started is where I traded my distraction of just watching The Tonight Show, and I just prayed. That's what started it. That's what started ministries and, and things that impacted lives. And the power of his story is in the trust of an individual that is willing to pull away from the everyday to be with God, to commune with him, to pray, to replace the unnecessary TV watching with simple prayer. And it led to so many transformed lives. And so I want to invite the, the ministry team up and, and um, whoever's playing for ministry time can, can come up. And I just have a, a few questions to close and then we'll, we'll pray Deutsche into the prayer room. I encourage you, pull away from the everyday and commune with God. Like we've done the heavy lifting for you. But, but one thing is I was praying, I, I, was, I was feeling kind of with, as faith, which requires trust. I think some people here have actually felt like Jesus has broken your trust. Like you asked him for something and he didn't provide it. And because of that, you're like, Ian, I don't think I can fully give him my all. I don't think I even want to. Maybe you needed that job and you feel like he broke your trust. Maybe you, you even feel like, man, I can't have a strong faith because my, I, I've been so broken and, and, and I put my all on this and it just didn't work out. And as I was uh, kind of like seeking the Lord, I felt like Holy Spirit, what he wanted to do is he actually wanted to heal some individuals of church hurt. In other words, what what maybe what happened is is you put trust in the leaders of a church and they hurt you, and so you don't feel like you can trust in Jesus. And Jesus is here to say that you can trust in Him, because Jesus is perfect. Me, I told myself a, a, a handful, of guys. I'm I'm imperfect. Pastors, we're not perfect, and and we might. Hurt or 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 break trust, but we if we put our trust in a person that isn't perfect, we will be let down. But if we put our trust in Jesus, we won't. And so maybe you just feel like I couldn't put my trust in him. And so maybe as I I listed those different things, you're like, man, I just want him at the center of my life. And and a a couple things I, I felt like one thing that the Lord wanted to do was he wanted to heal uh, someone who has like right ear pain, so significant pain in their right ear that they've had it for quite some time and the Lord wants to heal you of that. I felt like also that there's maybe someone here that has bursitis in uh, in one of their knees um, and the Lord actually wants to heal bursitis. Um, and, and, and I encourage you, if, if also in, when it comes to like the, the trust being broken and, and church hurt that happens, I encourage you to, to come up and, and receive prayer. And so let's just pray. Holy Spirit, we we love you. We give you our all and our everything. Jesus, we want you at the center of our lives with all that we are. And we thank you that, that we have a, a season set aside just to pray and, and seek your face. So Jesus, would you do it Would you heal us of any church hurt that we experienced? Would you heal us physically and do whatever you want? We thank you, Jesus. We give you our all. In Jesus' name, amen.